Darby Heights. Some places never change. Hello and welcome to the Andyplex. I'm your host, Andy Majorano. This is episode 18, the Last Call podcast. Have an extraordinary honor to interview, hailing from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is kind of my alma mater. I'm from Wilmington, Delaware. It's very close. Paolo Pilati, who just released a feature independent film called Last Call, and I just got to watch it. Hilarious, amazing, huge cast. And um, here we go. Welcome, Paolo. How are you? I'm great, Andy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming, uh, carving out some time. I know you're a busy man. And um, I just watched your film, Last Call, which dropped in March of this year, correct? Yeah, March 19th. Yep. Yep. Cool. So I really want to talk about your journey, but this movie is ringing in my ears. I loved it. It was so close to home, literally and figuratively for me. Uh, The vibe is so personal. I could just tell. I know you're from Philly. So why don't we talk about growing up in Philly and some of the trappings that went into making this movie? And I know it was a a passion project from the heart because you're from Philly and it's such a Philly piece. So walk us through uh, growing up in Philly and and the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, in West Philadelphia, born and raised, you know, um, <laughs> me and Will Smith and uh, yes. a few others, a Fresh few others create the roots, <laughs> a lot of people, but yes. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in West Philadelphia, you know, um, and a child of, of the eighties. Um, and as you can imagine in, in neighborhoods like West Philly and, and, and all over, especially cities in the Northeast, um, um, very much so, you know, immigrant enclaves and and working class neighborhoods. And, then, and that's the world I come from. Um, mine in particular was predominantly Italian-American, African-American and Jewish-American um, and and lower middle class, I would say, working class. Um, and and, you know, from a from a storytelling perspective and also from a. um a work ethic perspective. Uh, it very much, it was, you know, it's, it's the only thing I know. And, um, so when this project kind of came to be, I was, uh, you know, I fell in love with that because most of the stories I gravitate towards have a strong working class element to them. This a lot different with, excuse me, with comedy and with, um, you know, the type of comedy it was, and I typically do drama, but, but, but I knew the world, you know, and, um, and I was excited about telling that world because I think it's uh, in American cinema. I think it's an untold, uh, an untapped. It's coming to light now a lot more um, working class stories. But in general, I think it's, you know, it's still underserved. So Yeah. And I, I, I like that you kind of genre is kind of hard sometimes. I know sometimes we don't like to be pinned into a into a corner with genre or type or whatnot. But I really felt like the film quickly straddled the line between comedy and drama. Cause it was so brutally funny and it was about a group of guys and girls that were all kind of this community around this bar and the life around this bar and group of friends. And so you had the banter and you had the, the kind of pranking each other. And uh, you know, there was so much history that was before the movie. So when we come in, I really truly as the viewer felt like you're one of the gang, you're one of the group. And I really just felt like I was so invested. I really was. 
Um, I appreciate it. I'm glad to hear that. I'm very, very glad to hear that because I think, um, you know, comedy, you know, and everyone, people have said all the, all the cliches about every cliche you've heard about comedy is true. You know, it's, it's, it's hard as hell. It's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, quite honestly, I was really intimidated by doing comedy. I've stayed mm. shy away from comedy, I think. Um, and I enjoy making people laugh. And I think I do that kind of naturally. Um, but, you know, doing it, um, you know, in a feature film world, this is a totally different thing than an off the cuff kind of comment here or there, or keeping people, um, you know, either off balance or loose or happy by just making, you know, some type of comment on the fly is a lot different than directing a feature comedy. Right. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah. Now it's know, like, now um, we're doing the comedy part. This is the line, right, you know, we're like, right. we're at this part, want this to hit. It's to, yeah. like you said, and that's, it's different and, that's, than... and that's exactly it. Right. And what hits, what doesn't hit. And, you know, again, I got lucky with the cast we had that I was able, you know, we were able to make, you know, we were able to really play and improvise and do mm. things that um, that made it made it much stronger. But, you know, for me, you know, you mentioned something um, and it's funny when I came to this project uh, a few moons ago, I had always initially saw it as a drama and I thought it would play best as a drama with mm -hmm. some comedy in it. And then we had gone back and forth with Greg, uh, the executive producer and co-writer, and he wanted it as a comedy. And then we kind of met somewhere in the middle and I was always really honestly concerned about marrying that type of comedy this this unapologetic slice of life very raw kind of comedy with um you know this kind of really heartfelt you know community aspect to to the drama parts of it and uh and for some people maybe it's a bridge too far you know but i was really interested both in exploring that but I also knew I felt like that in order for it to hit, the, the heart had to hit, you know, and, and, right. and really in, in all comedy, you know, in all stories, you don't have good comedies have great drama and vice versa. Absolutely. Them, you know? And, and um, you know, it's funny. I was just watching um, another Philly based show the, on the weekend, uh, Mayor of Easttown. And and I don't know if you've seen the show, but, you know, uh, Kate Winslet is, you know, doing the Delco accent and whatnot in Philly and. Actually, anyway, I haven't. I just saw I just saw an ad for it, but yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it yet. So it's a it's a it's a detective thing and it's a drama for sure, but there's just brilliant uh comedy and it's June Smart, I think, plays the mom and and uh just tremendous comedy. And it, you know, you mm -hmm. need both both sides of it. So um yeah, I think we, you know, I think people for with Last Call, if um if the if the tone is right in the beginning, and I think with the children we tried to both set up this generational aspect that was really important to me, but also this kind of crude comedy aspect with what happens in the beginning of the film and the, and the little, and, you know, and so if you're, if you laugh at that, then, then you're along for the ride and, and then you take the ride. And I think that the heart hits in the right places and, and you enjoy it for what it is. You have some laughs and that's that. And, you know, it's, I don't think the film's taking itself too seriously, you know? Yeah, there and, is a, there is a lightness for. to it. There is a levity to it. And I like what you said about the ratio because and across the board in any genre, life isn't always funny, but yep. there is so much humor even in darkness. Um, and even like horror, I, I'm a huge horror buff. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of horror on the show. And some of the most memorable moments are the laughs right before the gut punch of a horror. You know, it's like it's kind of like riding a roller coaster, you know. Of course. 
and life's like that and art imitates life. And so I think having that balance and that dynamic uh, is important, but granted, not always, like you said, it's not always easy to catch the lightning in the bottle of what's funny or what, what plays funny or what hits, you know, yeah, and trying right, to kind of right. orchestrate that in a, a synthetic kind of vibe, but I loved how you guys, and I think it fit, it fit the bill really well of having that organic kind of docu style slice of life element. The camera's kind of floating a lot. Um, did you guys have conversations about that before you started in terms of tonality and feel and look? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was very intentional. Um, and, and this idea of, of, and with George Gibson at DP, this idea of being kind of, um, you know, claustrophobic, like the idea of this world is very, you know, it was originally titled crabs in a bucket. Uh -huh. And I don't know if you know the metaphor for that, but it's a socioeconomic metaphor for people pulling kind of people down and, and not wanting to get ahead. You know, it's okay to get ahead. Don't get ahead of me type of type of mentality. Right. And so Su success through pushing others down. Basically. Right. So. Yeah. Right. And, and so this idea of this world, very claustrophobic, very claustrophobic and uh, Darby Heights. And then especially when when Mick, when Jeremy Piven's character comes back um you know this kind of world is closing in on him around him and he doesn't you know um so from a from a visual perspective it was it was always really tight and 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 it, you know i think it worked without being without being overly claustrophobic and then obviously shooting the majority of it in a bar and a practical bar we didn't have in a, a small space, a so. small a small spot exactly so yeah we couldn't, um you know we could we could only do you know we were limited with where you can kind of move the camera there, but, but right. yes, it was intentional. We talked a lot about that and, 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 um, you know, various other, you know, um, things, but I'm glad you picked up on it because I, you said something that, that for me with this project is if, if that's what people take, if that's what people take away from it, I've succeeded, which, which is, um, I felt like I was dumped, you know, I felt like I was dumped into the bar or I felt like I was dumped into the neighborhood, you know, and you're just like plopped in what, with these guys. Yeah. And that was kind of, again, as, as intentional as we can kind of make that. And it, and it's, you know, some might call that plotless at times too. And, and yeah, we have, you know, a gentrification thing going on, which I think is incredibly important, um, to discuss in, in America right now not necessarily through last call, you know, we were a comedy first and foremost, and you know, with, or, you know, a dramedy maybe, but um, so it's not a deep dive into, into gentrification. Right. And this isn't 99 homes or whatever. It's not like, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not that movie, but, but I did want to kind of touch on that stuff. And um, you know, and, but, but for me, it's, it's really, you know, I, I think feeling that, I mean, that's kind of how you want to feel, um, you know, when you go, it's funny cause we haven't, I do, I just went to a bar, uh, last Friday for the first time, um, in, you know, a year and a half. And, right. Um, and, and, uh, to, to meet a friend and, and, you know, I think there's this, um, that communal aspect of, of these places where, you know, like cheers, where everyone knows your name. Right. And in yeah. this, in our story, in our town, they all, they all do. And so, that was a challenge both with the actors, um, you know, having these guys have lived with each other their whole lives and could finish each other's sentences. Yeah. And so this, you know, improv really lent itself to, I think, making that stuff work. 
um yeah did you guys um natural. did you guys do rehearsals to kind of build that uh did any of these guys know each other yeah. or work with each other beforehand yeah. <clears throat> you know, so, jeremy piven taryn manning zach mcgowan jack mcgee bruce Dern. i can't believe you got bruce Dern. by the way he's like a living <laughs> legend he's like yeah he's in all like the tarantino all- movies oh my god yeah tremendous in fact he had just come off of uh once upon a time uh that was the film he wow. did right before last call right uh yeah i'll do i'll do credit good time to uh give give props to my producers because we cast mm-hmm. this uh ourselves without a casting director and, wow and uh, get out of here I, within a month of within a month of you know basically from when we got greenlit to when we started shooting was about a month or so and we cast the film um in a month's time and that's like which is insane that's on crazy. any film but we had we had so many characters we had a lot of you know the big ensemble yeah and big ensemble level, piece you know and then to get the level of talent that we got was just insane but uh you know no, you know i'm not sure i think zach and and taryn i'm pretty sure they had worked together prior okay. um and and maybe um uh jason richter may have worked with with one of those guys too he played um seville the cop seville, but uh, jeremy yeah. Jeremy and Taryn, I believe, were friends for a long time, but had never worked together. And I think that was intriguing for both of them. I don't believe anyone had worked with Bruce, but I'm pretty certain everyone was dying to work with Bruce. Um, and yeah, you know, Jamie Kennedy is from is from Upper Darby, which is which is kind of Darby Heights is based on Upper Darby, which is just outside of uh, outside of Philadelphia. And so he knew he knew that kind of that kind of claustrophobic world, too. That and kind that of world. Yeah. And obviously also, so we didn't have, and I'm, a, I love rehearsal. I'm a rehearsal geek. Like I love it. It's, it's, it's low stakes playing in the sandbox. Like I could do it. I could watch actors act and play around forever. Okay. Um, but we didn't have the luxury of that. And you know, of the I, time honestly, to just be able just, to do it and run it. I mean, we just didn't, you know, we were kind of casting up until the final weekend. And then I literally, I met Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy and I had talked and I had shared a bunch of stuff and I like to share um, playlists with with actors and and different things like that we discussed a, a bunch on the phone but the, we, i met him i met him day one on set literally like nice to meet you and yeah you were shaking, you know you were shaking hands uh, back then so we shook hands and and he got right to it and um you know just literally brought his a-game from the first take and i was like oh shit like all right we're he really does he really it is an ensemble but he's he's definitely the protagonist he carries it um no doubt and he kind of yeah. gets dropped into the world just to give a little plot. You know, he's been out of town. He's kind of the hot shot. And yeah. then his mother, correct, passes away in the very beginning. Correct. And then it's like yeah. he kind of comes back to this world. And it's like, oh, yeah. Mr. Big Shot, you know. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I can't get over how, I mean, obviously actors act and that's yeah. their job. But I do it sometimes, so it's our job. But yeah, uh, the, the, the ability to have that kind of off, camera and on camera just dynamic of like you can just feel the history with the, with these guys and gals you can just yeah. feel the it, it, yeah it was it was a real concern of mine and again someone who um and i think there's a point where you can rehearse things to death and right you can um, over i uh for sure and so like it. for me i like to just find a, a a little corner catch a corner of something let's play around let's find something new um but I, but as it relates to last call I was very concerned because exactly what you said in the case of Bruce Dern's character coach and Jack McGee, who plays Jeremy's father, 
uh, they may have known each other for 60, 70 years, you know, and, and, right. and the, the other guys and Taryn, they had known each other for 30, 40 years. And so, you know, that's, that's, um, it is difficult to do. And this story, um, you know, it's because it's set in a bar and it's these guys kind of ragging on each other all the time and getting on each other, especially Jeremy's character, you know, it's, it's that, um, it's that speed, it's that cadence, it's that talking over one another that, that can give that, that is authentic when you walk into a place like Callahan's pub, you know? And, um, you know, again, credit to the, the level of talent that we had and, um, mm -hmm. and also, and their, and their, their improv chops. I mean, Jeremy, you know, Jeremy is just, he's just razor sharp. He's very quick witted. Um, he's really smart. Um, he's really engaged with the other players. And so he's one of those guys, I like to call them red light players, but um, like, you know, in baseball or any other sport where they just raise the level of play of everyone around them. Yeah. Jer Jeremy's one of those guys, 100%. And uh, unbelievable, and I, you know, and I'm very thankful for that. But also, you know, you have Jamie who, who, you know, uh, these guys do stand up, you know, he's done a ton of comedy. Um, Bruce is obviously the, the king of, of improv, you know, and, and Taryn has comedic chops and, you know, on down the line. And so uh, Sherry O'Terry. And so, you know, I think oh, it, was all so, that, it was so refreshing to see her again. I was such a big yeah, fan yeah. of her on SNL. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's another upper Darby. So native, funny. So as the, uh, as the Philly. holistic, uh, the holistic yeah. healer. Oh, she's from Philly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 She's a Philly. She's a Philly chick. She's from upper one of my, Darby. one of my favorite lines is when she, she helped Jeremy, uh, you know, with she's doing like the chakras and the, the acupuncture. Right. Right. And it's like, he's finally kind of broke through. And then, he, and then she's like, Oh, that'll be a uh, $300 or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's something, <laughs> that's something that she brought to me that morning and was oh. like, you know, pa yeah, I, Paolo, I'd like to, um, we were talking about this. I want to, I want to kind of, um, are you okay with bump, you know, with, with, with moving some of this stuff around. And I was like, sure, let's play with it. And I'm a big fan of, of that anyway. Right. And then, but this, this film took it to a different level for me of, of, of really giving, um, and I would be silly not to, by the way, but giving giving my players a lot of like latitude. A, I think it's um, it helps to build trust and this confidence that they have in in me. And and they don't know me. I'm an I'm a, you know I'm a nobody, low budget indie filmmaker. You know, and these these actors are all established. So it'd be silly for me not to. But also the psychology of it is you get them all. They get so so much more invested. You know, and uh, when they're bringing their own ideas to the table, it's what you want ultimately. And then it's just, you know, my job as a director to kind of shepherd it and make sure we don't go too far off the rails and 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 all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, and, and again, Jeremy is another one of those guys where it's like, man, he loved it. It was just like you got a genuine laugh out of him. And then we, we ran with it a couple, you know, a couple of times right. and do a couple of takes yeah. of that. Try that yeah. X or Y. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one yeah. of my main so. questions was like, if you and this is probably an impossible math question for you, but the percentage of like how much improv actually survived and made it to, to, you know, final cut. Yeah. You know, it's a great question because. Cause it just, Jamie, the whole thing just felt improv to me and it's probably a yeah, testament yeah. To, to you guys and the, the acting and. Well, I mean, look, there was a, there was a good bit of improv. Um, yeah. But, but I would say, I mean, look, the majority of it was on the page in, in, in the form. And then, you know, I don't, I learned a long time ago not to, as a writer, especially as a writer director, 
not to fall in love with the words and get right. too precious with the words. I mean, yeah, okay, if there's certain stuff that has to advance the story forward, mm -hmm. fine. You gotta be like, this um, guy's gotta go to the to the doctor to meet right. X or Y. Like that's gotta happen, right. but otherwise, right? Yes, yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Smith, you have cancer. You're dying tomorrow. You know that's important. Whatever. Gotta but, say that part. You know. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, it. If for one thing, if an actor can't find a truthful place to come at a line or a word or they could be tripping up on it, you have mm -hmm. to have the flexibility to bounce off of it anyway. Or you're just going to be stuck with your your words because you love them so much and your scene's going to be flat, which then doesn't then, you know, no one cares about your words on the on the page. They care about whether or not the actor is believable on the screen. The right? final so, the final product on screen. Yeah. And you know, um, but and and this story uh, lent itself to a lot of improv, you know, like, like we had some right. stuff that was funny and that worked. And then if they came up with something funnier or something better, or it was all like lathered up more, then let's rock and roll because that's ultimately, you know, okay. Yeah. We need to get the, let's make sure these, these few beats happen in the scene and everything else around that we can, you know, if you need to go this way to get to it, I'm fine. You know? Um, yeah. So to answer your question though, um, you know, a good bit was improvised, you know, Jamie, Jamie would improvise a ton and, and oftentimes he would just, you know, off, give me one more time. Okay. I'll give you one more. Let me do one thing. And it would be, he would have the yeah. whole set in stitches and then, and <laughs> so he would be like, he's hilarious. And, and, and he'd be like, Paolo, I, we're, we can't use that. Right. I'm like, yeah, no, we can, there's no way we're gonna be able to use that. There's no way we're going to get away with that or and, whatever. And, but yeah. you know what? Like a handful of those times did make it in and like, you know, right. um, so it's good. You went for it, you know? It, yeah. It just worked out. I mean, the, one of the lines I think might be one of the lines in the film, the three stain policy when he's bouncing. Oh man. Yeah. When he's bouncing uh, I mean, out that's, front. that's, that's all Jamie. I mean, it just happened to be so this funny. dude. One of our extras had a bunch of stains on his shirt, I think. And he ran with it and, you know, yeah. and, and he had, we four, got he had into, four stains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You can't get in. And so, you know, when we got into uh, the editing bay, you know, it was just, it kept, it kept just staying in. Like people like, you can't lose it. People just kept laughing at it, you know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, again, again, it goes back to the level of talent. I don't think um, I could have been nearly as assured as I was on the day Um if I didn't have that level of talent or maybe I could, I don't know, but I, but I felt really confident and comfortable doing it because of who, who I was playing with, you know? Yeah. Um, right. And you know, they say casting is 90%. And yeah. In my case, I believe it is, you know? Yeah, I get it. I mean, cause the freedom to be able to have that trust, like you said before, and, and then as the director to kind of know, like you said, when to rein it in or like, okay, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel natural or, or whatnot. Right. But if right. the material you're getting is so strong and the banter is happening and the lightning in the bottle is happening, yeah. you can kind of yeah, just yeah, yeah. be like, all right, that was great. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. I mean, it really yeah, felt some, it. I mean, some of these scenes, especially in the bar, were really just set up to be, you know, it was just that is to build this camaraderie, to feel like you're in it, to feel like these guys really don't really leave these, these bar stools or whatever. And um, yeah. And so, you know, I honestly, um, as good as you could be the, you could have the best actors in the world and what's on the page is still going to feel rigid. At some point you lather them up and then, and you, and you, and you let them go and uh, you wind them up, you let them go. And especially in that kind of environment, you know, yeah. the, the, you know, a couple of the scenes where the booze is flowing freely. And, and so were the, 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 you know, so is the banter and the jokes. It's really the only way I feel to do it 
which doesn't feel otherwise it feels canned and you can just tell even with yeah. great actors which i had you could just tell if it feels you know canned a little bit versus um you know you know versus this kind of an authentic an authenticity to those scenes is really what i was going for you know and and um and you know thankfully we had two cameras too which helped so i could get you know we could get we didn't miss um some of that stuff you know with with the improv especially at least we had two angles on it usually at all times so which helped right so one camera you know usually one camera's catching something a reaction to whoever especially if it was if it was you know i mean most most scenes very rarely we didn't have very many scenes with just two players um or even yeah. one you know it was a lot of it was a lot of ensemble a lot of group. so yeah you know what i liked about that though was um i love the two shot man i fucking love it and i don't think mm -hmm. especially i don't think american filmmakers use it enough i know and, we're really seeing a, a departure from the two shot it's all it's all tight 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 cut, yeah. cut you know yeah yeah and we didn't do i mean first of all i couldn't we didn't we just had too much to get and and yeah it, from a practical low budget indie filmmaking perspective um we had to live a little bit wider anyway in times mm -hmm. um but but also you know the beauty of a two shot is you can't there's no hiding in a two shot uh there's no hiding any of the acting in a two shot and when you have players like jeremy and taryn and zach and bruce and jack and everyone um and kathy moriarty we didn't mention her you know like uh amazing you, you can do that but also some of these guys have a little bit of physicality to them and some of that comedy you need to be able to I'm gonna do this. You know, you need to be able to see the the hands and the arms. Pull, pull back a little and get the full body. Bit. Yeah, a little bit. You know, so you know it was kind of difficult again to do in a bar setting, but you know, we I tried to be conscious of that as well because, um, you know, I don't know. And to me, it's also in, it's just a little more interesting. I mean, yeah, we could I could have and I, did I probably bone myself a little bit in coverage, of course, you know, but 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 uh, you know, there's nothing that is more boring than just the you know, basically the master and the over the shoulder and then the close up. It's just, you know, what's going to happen. You your, your brains are ready. Yeah. And it's just kind of, even if the scene's great, it's just boring visually, you know? Yeah. yeah. No. And you know, when you get wider, I feel like it, uh, it plays more like a play uh -huh. and mm -hmm. with such an ensemble, it really felt like it was kind of, it could get almost because this could be a play, you know, and yep. about a town yep. and our yep. town or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the camera, the camera really stayed. Uh, it felt very verite to me and, and very docu, which I think mm -hmm. really, really served it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It gave it that real, that kind of realistic look into, which is the thing is what you guys are really going for. A hundred percent. I mean, I had said too to, to from production design from, you know, from George and, and, and um, IDP on down, but production design and everything like this isn't, um, I, you know, this is a, this is a, I want this to look gritty. Like I want it to look real. You know, I don't want this yeah. to look, uh, it's not a glossy, it's not a glossy town. It's not a glossy story. And, you know, comedies by and large, especially studio comedies, they're, they're, they're the, they're the ugliest. They're the worst. They're just so just boring to look at usually. And I know people make great comedies, but you know, um, it, it, in the world of visual cinematic storytelling, they tend to be the least exciting, right? They're just yeah. really always, super well lit and bright and just kind of everything's in focus and boring you know it's kind of boring and and yeah and um you know for us it was so important that the neighborhood was another character in this you know Ooh, and, and really part of, i love that you know like and really part of the part of the you know with part of the tale and so we wanted to um 
kind of show that in, in its in its you know kind of beautiful dirtiness you know in, in a way oh i love that um, because because i think like you know um towns like this and, and again growing up where i grew up i i knew it too these towns are very proud right they're tired they're worn they're beat down you know mm. but they're but they're very proud you know they don't necessarily and i think one of the characters um mentions it at one point they, they're uh you know what if what if we didn't want to go anywhere or something he says something to that effect and and it, to me it was really important because um yeah maybe they have nowhere else to go but they're kind of they're they're happy where they're at too in a way you know that yeah the neighborhood could use a little 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 polish a little cleanup but but um it's theirs you know and 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 i think there's something to be said for that especially so much a, history a, to to draw on you know yeah exactly exactly yeah. And uh, for me to kind of I'm actually drinking out of my uh, my Delaware mug here. Oh, I love it. I love and, it. Uh, you know, you get that kind of brick look with the striped awnings. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. you said, there is that kind of grit to everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say necessarily that it's just dirty, but there is this kind of proud kind of rough edge, yeah. which you, you touched on. And Wilmington is just half an hour south of Philly on the 95. Right. So I grew up there and I was always going up to Philly for field trips and just to go up there. And uh, right. yeah, so to me, it just really hit home. And, you know, I grew up kind of going in and out of uh, my dad was always going to this like it's called the Giuseppe Verdi Sons of Italy, like Italian club. Yeah. And you kind of go down the stoop and you go down these steps. And I just felt like, oh, man, I've been I've been in so many of these places that have, they haven't changed their design. And, you know, 40, yeah. 50 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. At least if not longer in our case. The bar that we used um, in the script, ironically, it was a hundred year old pub that had been in their family, you know, for set for, for century, you know, for the century and, and through generations. And the, the, the pub we used, Wojciech's in Bayonne, New Jersey, was um, was Polish American and, and was was in the same family for a hundred years as, uh, you know, as fate would have it. And you can't just um, you can't. You know, you first of all, on our project, you can't that, that production value is tremendous, you know, but you can um there's a history there. There's a there's layers, there's layers of dirt that this won't go away, you know, yeah, no matter sediment, what. And, sedimentary and, layers. Exactly right. So um yeah, to me that was a stroke of luck and it was really important once we found that location and Janet, God rest her soul, she had passed with COVID, unfortunately. The, the oh no. Yeah, right before oh, right before the, right before the film premiered but um oh but she would i know i know she was super generous and just really uh welcoming you know for me for me she was um you know it was nice because she was there and just and like a really grounding it was a reminder to me every day that i was making this film for the working class you know and and um which was a really nice little you know if i needed just to be grounded um you know in the morning or whatever I would see her just, you know, getting a cup of coffee or something. And it was just a nice kind of quick, uh, uh, balance for me, you know, center but, your chi on the, on the working yeah, class. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, we got really lucky, but, but yeah, to your point, I mean, um, these people in, 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 in our story anyway, they're, they're well aware of their lot in life, you know, they're well aware where, you know, where right. they are, you know, it was really important for me for them to be, kind of middle-aged as well and and very much so set in their ways they're not um 20 or even 30 you know they're in their mid 40s or or more and Mm -hmm. and um you know uh, for a lot of them their dreams are their dreams are 
have long been extinguished, you know? And then what do you do when, when something comes in and, and um, threatens your, your way of life? You have maybe nowhere to go. Um, you know, this gentrification thing is a really worthy discussion on a broader sense because uh, the town we were shooting in, in Bayonne in North Jersey, um, going through exactly what we, you know, what we were kind of doing with our casino thread and, and, and what Jeremy was coming back to ultimately do in the neighborhood. And there was, there was directly across, you know, caddy corner from where we were shooting was this new, and it wasn't casino, but it was a new, you know, new, new, new construction. And, and that town is going through all of that, which was another kind of life imitating art, yeah. imitating life situation, you know? And, um, but that's a, it's an interesting conversation. You know, what, how, how do you hold on to what makes neighborhoods unique and special while also progressing them? Right. You know, to, to keep up. Finding without, that balance. Without, right. Without also kind of leaving those people behind, leaving them literally in the dust, you know? Yeah. So, it's like if you don't embrace um, the new hot thing that generates income uh, right. and to, to get the pipeline into the town, but then it's like, what's yep. selling out? What's killing the essence, the spark? Like, where do you ride that, that balance? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like your, your film really, like you said, you're not trying to kind of like go deep, 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 but I feel like, you are in a way kind of posing the question of, you know, and I love how Jeremy Piven goes through all the motions of getting the signatures and, you know, he's all about the casino. And then he's like, all right, this is just, you know, going yeah. to kill the town or whatever. Yeah. You know, then the neighborhood um, part of showing some of that, you know, the whole petition, you know, getting the signatures was, was, right. just, was showing a little bit of the neighborhood, just a little bit of these people, because again, it was really important. Um, for me, you know, that this neighborhood is, is, um, you know, it's not a ghetto by any means. It is just, you know, it's, you know, it is down on its luck and it got kicked a couple of times while it was down, but, but these people are strong they're going to get back up. You know, it's just a matter of like, you know, kind of sorting it out. And yeah, they have their issues just mm -hmm. like everyone else does. You know, some people have said since, Oh, you know, you made the, they look so trashy. And I don't necessarily feel that way. I feel like they're, um, they're living very much so day to day, which I think a lot of people, especially now are um yeah. and people do re regardless of socioeconomic kind of status i know a lot i know plenty of much wealthier uh people in neighborhoods than darby heights that that do the same quote-unquote trashy things that uh that our characters do you know so right you know, i don't necessarily see it that way at all really but anyway. yeah no and uh i mean i'm sure you guys weren't anticipating the pandemic when you were prepping and shooting no, in fact, we shot in we shot in the fall of 19 and then we had to go and, mm -hmm. and uh, pick up some stuff in the spring. And um, I oh, had as the, to, as the hammer was coming down. I mean, so and, and it was we were set up to shoot the first uh, full week in March of last year of 2020. And um, and I was kind of pushing the, the producers and the executive producers. Can we wait until you know, another month, month and a half until like all the foliage is fully formed, you know, full, you know, fully uh, grown in because in the Northeast, as I'm sure you remember it, you know, we lose the leaves in the, in the winter time and the trees and, and things like that, but um, we couldn't. And so it was the, uh, we were shooting March 9th, 10th and 11th, and we wrapped on the 12th and we were in Bayonne, which is just outside of New York city. And, uh, you know, the world is, I mean, New Rochelle had already closed down and the world was literally cr crumbling around us. I mean, when I say we got it in by the skin of our teeth, um, mm. 
you know, we just got it in and then we, and then we cut remotely and, you know, all the other stuff, but I feel very fortunate because obviously we got it in the can and, and I have some friends that weren't as fortunate. So. Yeah. You know, it was uh, a really hard time for film and for every, and for bars. <laughs> and and for bars. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, and Jeremy had said this a couple of times during his uh, press junket for this. And I, and I think it's a really important point that, that again, with art imitating life, like this is an ode to, the mom and pop shops to, yes. to the bars and, and, and really the bodegas and, and, and uh, the people who, yeah, it was already going to be a love letter to them prior to the pandemic, you know? Um, but now it's even more uh, poignant and topical because they're the ones that need, um, need the you know, need, need, need all the support that, that we can give them. So, yeah. you know, and, and then, you know, to take that a step further, indie films like the is it its own little mom and pop shop you know right so it's a whole separate you know it's like a russian thing, russian but... doll of layers of, <laughs> yeah you know the mom and pop exactly exactly but but i you know um it's funny how many people um have reached out and has oh my god it reminds me of my favorite you know watering hole spot or, yeah or spot just a place you know um and and you know, I think over this last year, especially, we've really come to come to um, realize and appreciate how important those communal gathering spots are in our in our lives, you know, Huge. and it's just really important. I mean, just man, like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, but literally just went to my corner bar to meet someone last Friday and was just like, you know, it's a place I've gone, been going to for, you know, half of my life, but, you know, I saw the bartender who is the owner and just like, it was really emotional, man. And like, he's still yeah. not open yet, by the way, it's like outside, you know, it's not like you can't just, right. at least here, you can't sit at the bar yet, but still just the fact that they're open and kind of like with, you know, a decent kind of outdoor crowd and kind of doing business was really emotional. So I think, um, you know, I, th I think hopefully for that, it'll be, you know, it, it remains topical, you know? I know. I just met up with some friends a week ago. Uh, it was four of us with me and uh, again outside. And it wasn't a bar, but it's a restaurant that I've been going to. That's yeah. just around the corner from me. Hadn't been there in, you know, you know, year and plus. Yeah. And uh, she remembered like what we wanted. The, the, the waitress like remembered our orders and was like, and we were like, oh, my God, we're we're regulars. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Like, remembers what we wanted. Yeah. And it was just such a beautiful, warm glow feeling in our hearts. And we couldn't yeah. shut up about it. Yeah. We were like, oh, my God, we're regulars. I've, I've never been really a regular anywhere. <laughs> I guess we, we made it, you know, because she remembered what we wanted. And yeah. Like the coffee black and like the whole thing. We did it. We did a brunch. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. such a, yeah. you know, it feels like maybe it was a small thing, but it's actually a really big thing when you connect and have that that touchstone uh, with yeah, people yeah. in your community. And we've all been stuck inside and, and hiding and with our masks on and waiting to hear what the CDC is going to tell us when we can go back out, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, right. It's this human, this human need to be loved and this interaction and, and we all just want to be loved a little bit. And I think, um, you know, uh, for a lot of people, this last year was really tough in, in a, um, it, it, with isolation and, and separation and, and just not, um, you know, being able to go outside of maybe your, your own, you know, it, immediate family or whatever it is and and um and whatever that is it's not just bars obviously right i mean we would have dinner with my either with my mom or my mother-in-law pretty much every sunday like i've been doing since i was you know a boy you know and, and and extended family and big italian 
Sunday dinners and stuff. And, and, um, you know, my mom is, is in her, you know, in her late eighties and, and couldn't see her grandchildren for, couldn't hug her grandchildren for a year. And like, Mm. you know, so, I mean, so it's it's not just right. You know, so our bar is a metaphor for all of that, but I think there is a real, um, I think it's gonna be a fun summer. Honestly, I think, I think, you know, we're obviously on the rebound and, and, and I think if people think to be smart, I think it's, you know, I think it's, um, I think, you know, we all see, but really how important that all that is. But again, also, you know, like in our story, the bodega, like how important those spots are to our, our daily lives that sometimes you take for granted that I think now people will much, very much less take for granted uh, a certain Absolutely. place because they like the way you'd like the way their coffee is made, or they put just the amount of cream in it or they, or, you know, whatever exactly it is. How you love it. Way. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, um, you know, that, that the big, um, you know, that the, you can get the same kind of stuff or the same product maybe at a larger retailer or chain, but you're not going to get that level of specificity. And, and I think that's really what makes uh, neighborhoods like Darby Heights and Last Call um, fun and unique, you know? Yeah. Oh man, that comes across so well. All right, Paulo, well, walk us through kind of the independent movie process. I know every movie is different and, you know, there's no rules indie or not but uh in terms of you know this seems so personal to you and i think it really comes across you weren't so that there was a it was a story can you walk us through kind of the the genesis of this of the of last call sure sure yeah so um i was brought actually this project greg lingo who is the executive producer wrote a first draft of of last call and i was brought to the project through um a mutual friend, a, a filmmaking colleague of mine, Rich Hoffman, who, who I made my very first feature with a few moons back. And, and, um, and he said, I have this project. I, have, I want you to meet this guy. I have this script. I think you might, um, you might like it. And so, you know, I read it and, and, you, you know, like all scripts, especially in early, early stages, it needed, needed work. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but I, there was an authenticity to it and there was a, um, you know, there was something that kept, you know, to, I, like I knew this world, you know, I knew it. And, and it turns out that Greg grew up in Upper Darby, famous for many things, but not the least of which Tower Theater, infamous, uh, you know, rock venue, David Bowie, whatever. But um, Dolph Lundgren, who's going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or just did. And Dolph anyway, Lundgren, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot. Upper, Upper Darby has, Upper Darby has, has a, uh, has a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, exports, but mm-hmm. it, it, so he had grown up in this neighborhood. And so this, this, you know, Greg had, uh, comes from a, a, uh, engineering background and, and real estate. So nothing at all really in, in the arts and in filmmaking, storytelling and screenwriting, but, um, he had grown up in this neighborhood and he, he had, you know, this idea of wanting to tell this, this story about a group of guys and, and, um, and these bonds that, uh, that, you know, these ties that bind you. Right. And, and as it turns out, we're from where I grew up in Overbrook in West Philadelphia to it, uh, to upper Darby, it's, it's separated by Cobbs Creek and it's and a golf course and a, and a little, and a creek and and that's it and uh so while his neighborhood was predominantly i say irish american and 
Asian American and mine, like I said, was Italian and, and Jewish and, and African American. Um, it was basically the same socioeconomic status and, and he was outside the city limits, but basically the same, the same peoples, you know? And so um, we were able to, and to this day have this very straightforward way of talking to each other that I think you can, you can really, I don't say only get, but you definitely get from having similar kind of backgrounds and we could go right there. And, and, and uh, that was, that was, um, I mean, that was obviously very helpful, but so anyway, that was kind of the, the origins of it. And then, um, you know, he, he kind of handed it over to me. I did a bunch of, of rewrites on it, kind of passed it back and forth. Um, he was, you know, pretty actively involved in, um, in, in, in certainly shaping the story and, and in various other parts of the script. Um, but he wasn't a filmmaker, so it wasn't necessarily high priority for him to actually make it in a film. So we kind of bounced around kind of, you know, took it, you know, we went back and forth for years on it. And, um, you know, I kind of put it down, made a couple other projects, went back to it. And then, um, I guess it was the spring of, um, of 18, 18, no, 19, sorry. Uh, spring of 19, I had said, you know, I've been working with DJ on a project on a feature I'm doing in Italy and, and a couple other projects. Um, he's a producing partner of mine. And he had said, I have a couple guys up in New York that are putting out really high quality, low budget indies in this budget level. Do you have anything, do you have anything um, else, you know, that, that might work? And I said, you know, I said, I had this project and I went back to Greg and I said, look, Greg, I got these guys out of, out of New York that can kind of do it in our budget level. You want to, um, you know, what do you, what do you think? And, and, uh, and so we met and, and, you know, we kind of instantly all hit it off, which I think is really important. Right. Obviously um, I had never worked with, with those guys, with uh, Rob Simmons and Ante Novakovic up in, up in New York. I had never worked with them. DJ had, but I think, but not, um, maybe with Rob, I'm not sure, but anyway, you know, we kind of hit it off. I, you know, um, I think the sensibilities lined up and, um, and Greg liked them most importantly and felt confident and, and the way we went. Now, when we did that, that was, I guess, summer, I say, before we started shooting, it was, um, it was with this idea that it would mostly be like local and regional talent, which I was totally fine with. I mean, I was going to cast this thing from, you know, from my phone with mostly Philly and New York talent. Um, and I would have been very happy with that. And, um, but again, the testament to kind of just building your team out. I mentioned this in, I think the no film school, you know, really important of like building your team out. Right. And so, um, I trust DJ as a producing partner of mine. He trusts Rob, Rob trusts Ante and, and you start to do that. Right. And then Rob says, what do you think about Tyron Manning? Uh, I love Tyron Manning. Oh, I worked on her, with her on a project a year or so, or a couple of years ago. We can get her. I think we can get her. Let's get her a script. And, um, and I really was intrigued with the idea of Taryn um, kind of playing against type, you know, and kind of playing the sweet girl for once, you know? Anyway, yeah, yeah. That's uh, great. She, she, um, she, you know, read it, you know, liked it, loved it, whatever, and, and came on board. And, and, and for me, it was a, that was, man, I, I can't thank her enough because now it's a project with some, with a name, with a name yeah. attached. And, and, um, I think you can start to you build know, from, more momentum that way. Exactly right. And so from there, 
you know, DJ had worked with Bruce Dern a couple of years back and went to him and um, a funny little anecdote about Bruce Dern real quick, if we have yeah. a moment, but uh, oh, I love he, it. He, so Bruce is reading the script. We'll see, you know, whatever. And uh, my phone rings Sunday night late. And um, I look down, I'm talking to my wife or on the couch, whatever. She's like, I'm like, it's, I'm pretty sure this is Bruce Dern. I should, should probably answer this call, you know? So I was like, oh, he's like, Paolo. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, um, Eric Bruce Dern. Uh, hi, Mr. Dern. You know, <laughs> that's ah, a really I good call. impression, by the way. <laughs> he says, he says, we got to talk about first. We got to talk about the last, the last scene in the film. And I, without giving out the, the last scene, there's a little, there's a little kind of, uh, you know, there's a, um, there's a little, there's something to stick around for in the end credits. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and it, like, and, and look, I don't really get nervous much, but, but my, my heart is in my throat. I'm like, Oh, oh my God, God, how can you not? And it, I know. And there's this like pregnant pause. And then all of a sudden he's like, I fucking love it. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's like the hangover for adults and you're going on and on. Two hours later, I get off the phone. I have, I kid you not, I still have him. I have notes. He's, I have notes on, you know, you know, he, of course he'd worked with, I mean, obviously he had just worked with Tarantino, but he had worked with Kazan and Hitchcock. I mean, just, Oh my the God. Greats. Yeah. He's just a legend. Insane. So, but anyway, so anyway, he's on board. And then from there, the, really the wind was, um, the wind was at our backs and then it became, right. you know, it became Jamie, Jamie was from the neighborhood, had known Greg. I think they had grown up together. So he was always interested. And then that just became easier for him to jump on board. And then it just became who else wants to play with these guys, you know? And, and uh, you know, I look, I think it's, it, you get lucky, but you also do the work and that's, that's a testament to the producers and building your crew out. And, and anyway, so, so, yeah. And that was literally up into like the, through the weekend of when we were going to start to shoot the film, we were still casting and just kind of, wow. Um, but, but never in my wildest dreams that I think, you know, never in my wildest dreams that I think we were going to have that level of um, that level of talent and um, you know, what a blessing, you know? So, you know, kind of away we went and uh, yeah. That's so shot cool. It and, you know, and we posted, you know, we posted during the, during the pandemic and um mm -hmm. which is which was you know all things considered a breeze compared to what a lot of other people went through so i'm not complaining about it but it, it presented its own challenges obviously but um yeah you know uh yeah and then ifc and couldn't have found a better home than them and and uh again this project has has just consistently punched above kind of like the neighborhood in a lot of ways which is kind of a little poetic justice but yeah you know it's it's just it's just it's just consistently punched above its weight um and that just goes to show man like you never you never know you just never know you never know what an actor is going to gravitate towards you never know what a distributor is going to gravitate towards just tell you know tell your story as honestly as you can and kind of see where the chips fall and um i love that you know we got worked out for this project i think it really did. It really did, man. Yeah. Well, congrats to you and, and team you. on last call. I loved it. Uh, it made me so nostalgic of, of, you know, Philly and Wilmington and, and just being in bars again. But I love what you said, how it's kind of the metaphor for, for life in general. And I really think you guys touched on so many awesome things and it deserves a few looks because just the camaraderie and the bonding between everybody, um, just really was really powerful. And yeah, you really feel like you're part of the gang after the movie, you know? 
Yeah. I'm almost like now I want to see these guys again. Was there is there a last call? Last call too. <laughs> last, uh, last call too. Yeah. You, back you in the habit. <laughs> you ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. It's just the after party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah. After we'll hours. You know, it's That's funny. Hilarious. I do think it, I do think it would make a good. It could make a good. I mean, there's always been plenty of bar shows, but I do think it could make a good. Um, you know, there could be a series. I really think I really think that uh, you might have touched on something. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. we'll see for sure. We'll see. Well, uh, what's so? What's next for you? I know you said you were working on a project in Italy. Uh, what's yeah? What's next for Paolo Pilati? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, God willing, knock on wood. Um, Here, I'll, I'll knock to too. Italy. There. Yeah, thank you. Uh, God willing, we head to Italy this summer, late summer, early fall. Uh, for a feature film that I wrote called The Winemaker's Son, um, which is a, a whimsical folktale about a little boy who drinks homemade wine on his grandmother's deathbed and gets special powers. And mm. as an adult, he lives in America and he's estranged from his father and he's an illustrator. And he decides to, um, you know, he heads back to his his hometown in rural Italy for, uh, you know, a little vacation and a little, you know, reconnection of sorts. And his father falls ill. And ultimately he creates this um, illustrated roadmap to the afterlife to help his father pass on. Cause his father, unlike his grandmother is very much so afraid of death. And so uh, it's very much so steeped in, in Italian, like traditional Italian storytelling, which with a bit of, um, you know, with a bit of you know, that kind of, uh, the comedy only only in the way that I hope I could do it like them, but the, in the, in the way that Italians only Italians can do, I feel like, and, and um, the Italian banter. Yeah. And just this, like this kind of charming, you know, you know, outlook on life, you know, and, and, um, and just kind of really appreciating, um, you know, slowing things down and, and the character in that, that needs to kind of, you know, he lives in big city America and, and, um, he needs to kind of, he needs to kind of slow his life down, you know, slow his roll a little. Yeah. And so ironically where we're shooting is a certified slow city, um, which I don't know if you're familiar with any of that. Um, but there's this whole slow food movement that's based in, there's in, like in a America. slow, there's like a slow, uh, like Academy that like deems and baptizes places. Yeah. Yeah. Slow? And so it's kind of like, you know, kind of similar, like farm to table, um, and things like that in America, in Italy, it's called, um, you know, it's zero kilometer basically, but everything has to be within a certain proximity of your dish to be considered, um, a slow city. Oh, wow. And, uh, which is, yeah, it's really amazing and really brilliant. And, and honestly, the way Italians have been living for the most part for, for centuries. Right. And, and, um, right. You know, if you live at the coast, you drink, you eat seafood. If you live in the mountains, you eat, you know, meat and, and, and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, this little tiny, you know, 150 person town in um, wow. on the border on the border of, you know, medieval town on the border of Lazio and Umbria, um, which which is another stroke of just kind of luck. Like this is this is, you know, kind of life imitating art. But um, I'm really excited about that project, too. It's it's um, it's a passion project as well. I, I wrote it after my father passed away uh, about 10, 12 years ago. And um you know, we had gone out a couple of times and, and uh, I don't want to put carts before horses, but it's yeah. looking good for, it's looking good for us to, um, that'll be the follow-up project. It's going to be the follow-up project no matter what, but it looks pretty good for us. 
you know, if everything kind of lines up um, and pandemic kind of does mellows what it, out. It mellows out, especially in Europe. Um, yeah. You know, we should be there. We should be there before the fall ends for sure. So. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool little project. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. That's incredible. Well, we will certainly be keeping tabs on you, sir. Thank you. And uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about growing up in Philly or, you know, your, your, your path as a filmmaker? Was there, was there a moment where you were like, I want to be a filmmaker or was it kind of a slow burn? Yeah, I would say mostly a slow burn. You know, I think, okay. um, I think I do a couple of things that relate to Philly and Overbrook and my upbringing and the um, immigrant enclave that, that I was talking about. Right. Um, I was always like from a very young age, I always loved it. I had old neighbors all around me and yeah, I would play with my friends and stuff, but I always, I loved listening to them tell stories. I loved it. And, and um, even to the point of trying to like understand their, their like broken English and like making up new words and, you know, and then just how stories kind of just grew and, and tall tale ish, you know, urban, and, um, urban. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I was always like, I just always loved, um, I always loved that. So I think my love of storytelling started at a very, very young age. And then, you know, um, I went to Catholic school, which wasn't, um, which wasn't like necessarily the, the you know, this um, hotbed for the arts and, and music and film and whatnot. But I will say in high school, um, you know, I had an English teacher, Sister Ave, who was just always like, keep writing, man, you're really good at it kind of thing. And, and that always it. stuck with me. And um, we, I bought a, I, I got a, um, a high eight, a Sony high eight camcorder when I was in like ninth or 10th grade for my birthday. And um, I would just run around and shoot literally like my friends in the, it just grab people off the street and just make movies up on the fly and then awesome. cut them like in the, in the camera or whatever. And Right. And take it to school and be like, listen, I'll do the, I'll do the history. I'll do the essay, but let me go and let shoot, me film and, it. And, and I'll go shoot a, the, a, a war reenactment too with my friends. And, and then we would show it in the class. And so they were kind of cool with that stuff. And so I, I guess that really, um, you know, I, you know, I guess, but I think it's more of a, a, more of a love of storytelling than anything else. And just kind of that, um, you know, that just, that kind of generational passing down of, of of stories has always fascinated me and always you know always interested me so that's yeah. beautiful yeah all right well oh, i have failure thank for that yeah eagles fan yes of course yes of course. me too huge yes still uh, pumped about that win a few years ago <laughs> yeah yeah still buzzing. Uh, we are kind of a mess right now but i think a little yes. beautiful mess and and uh <laughs> you know we'll see i think um you know Hope springs eternal in May uh, as it relates to football seasons. Right. So, you know, yeah. uh, it seems like they had a good draft. So, you know, we'll kind of, yeah. uh, I'm willing to give them a little bit of um, chin up a little, yeah, a little bit of leeway. We'll see. I, you know, I, I think the kid, <laughs> I think the, I think the kid they drafted and I think the hurts the quarter, I think he's going to be fine. So uh, I, you know, winners win, you know? And so I think, and I think he's a winner and I think um, so I think long-term will be fine. Hopefully it'll be here and in, in short order, but, yeah, we'll see. We shall we'll see, see in a few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Paulo. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your time and your story and your, your film. Everyone has to go out and check out Last Call. Amazing work. Um, I can't wait to watch it again already. 
And uh, I really appreciate all you all you've shared. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you, Andy. Man, it was a pleasure. It was a lot all of right, fun. sir. Take care. All right, see you soon. All right, bye bye.